The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. Wow, it's been a whole two months since I've done the show. Of course, uh, my last uh, Burning Issue was just before lockdown. Then I took some time out and I did up a few weeks of lockdown. Alhamdulillah. And then I decided to get back on the beat. I'm now doing my journalism again. And now, of course, I'm back with Burning Issue. So it's a liquor to be back in the studio to be talking to everybody and finding out what's happening, of course. In our country and our city, particularly around the COVID-19. That's, of course, the story that's been going around. As we know, it's been news headlines globally. So as more businesses start to open up under level three of the national lockdown, South Africa also faces the huge challenge of schools reopening this week under what is unusual and difficult circumstances. The reopening of schools in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic is the biggest issue on everyone's lips at the moment. Of course, besides cigarettes, lol. And we know there are many anxious parents out there who are not ready to send their children to school. As we know, the phased reopening of schools is set to start with the return of grade 7 and 12 learners on Monday the 1st of June, that's next week, while school management teams returned yesterday. Already, several trade unions are up in arms over the Department of Basic Education's decision with the Educators Union of South Africa taking the government to court. The union says Basic Education Minister Angie Mocheka and her department misled the public about supplying personal protective equipment and guaranteeing the safety of pupils and teachers. Former Democratic Alliance leader Musi Maimane joined thousands of parents who are against their kids returning to school by launching a petition and within hours thousands of parents showed their support. Maimane has now called on President Cyril Ramaphosa to react after the petition gathered over 150,000 signatures. And in news today, we saw that two Cape Town schools are temporarily shut after returning teachers tested positive for COVID-19. So our burning issue tonight is, should the opening of schools be put on hold? So in the next few minutes, I'll be chatting to the unions, and I'll also hear from the South Afrikaans on their uni. And after 8 p.m., we'll chat to the, to the One South Africa movement about their petition. And around about 8.30 p.m., we'll get a University of the Western Cape expert to give us his comment. And for the record, we invited the Western Cape Education Department on the show, but they declined. And just before we wrap up, of course, we hope to take some calls and messages on the WhatsApp line. So um, the number for uh, the studio number, if you want to call us, is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to 072-238-0712, or you can send us an SMS to 47913. So on the, on the show this evening, we'll also take the president's speech live at 7.30 p.m. So that's going to be in about 14 minutes. We'll take the president's speech live and he is expected to provide an update on provisions for the religious sector following a meeting of the national coronavirus 
Command Council, which considered the inputs made by interfaith leaders recently. But first up, let's chat to Naptosa Executive Director. Well, let's see who we have on the line. I think we've got the Satu Provincial Secretary, John Raven Rustin, on the line. Now, of course, the unions conducted a survey two weeks ago to inspect the readiness at schools countrywide. And I'm sure by now they have much to report. And in fact, let's welcome Naptosa Executive Director Basil Manuel. Basil, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Good to be with you. Fantastic. And then we also have the Satu Provincial Secretary, Jonathan Rustin. Jonathan, good evening and welcome to the show. Uh, good evening and uh, good evening, Basil. Hello, Jonathan. So let's hear from the unions. Basil, what is your union's take on the school readiness? Can learners and should learners be going back to school on the 1st of June? Let's start with the survey. The survey gave us a clear indication that there has been a gross misrepresentation of readiness uh, on the part of provinces. And, of course, this was echoed uh, in the minister's speech. And the fact that we've postponed the the opening dates by so many days, uh, first the 4th and then the 11th and then the 18th and, and then the 25th, is a clear indication that, of course, the unions were correct, that she's being misled. Alternatively, she is the eternal optimist who seems to be uh, declaring a date, knowing that uh, it's hardly attainable. And so we stand now at a point where we are looking at uh, whether the entire country, we are not interested in a province claiming that it is ready. We are interested in the country saying, come and inspect our schools, we're all ready. That gives us peace of mind for teachers, for parents, learners, our non-teaching staff, they are all important in this cog. And quite frankly, from where I'm sitting at the moment, it is highly unlikely that the country will be ready. If it is ready, I, I will be excited, but I'll be extremely surprised. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan, what is the view of Satu? No, thank you very much. Has um, has given a snapshot uh, of the country perspective, and I'm very happy for that because Pedro, uh, together with the other unions, have been collaborating at the national level. Let me give an indication of the province. We, we have done uh, daily surveys in the province, and there has been indication that some movement has been made, but we are not satisfied uh, that uh, all schools have received the required uh, PPEs, as we call it. Uh, secondly, one of the major concerns in this province is the interpretation of cleaning of schools. Now, in this province, uh, 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 canvases of bleach was given to, uh, to schools, and the internal staff uh, was asked uh, to wipe off the surfaces with a, a bleach uh, solution, and that is what is regarded as cleaning within the Western Cape. Uh, secondly, uh, the Western Cape had sent uh, thermometers to schools. Some of them don't work. And in, in some cases, or in all cases, you find that the department is expecting that the teachers themselves uh, need to scan and to screen uh, the learners that come, uh, the teachers who come to school and the learners. Now, we say this is totally unacceptable. Uh, we think the Western Cape has run rough shots in terms of its preparation. The amount of material sent to schools has been inadequate. Uh, there is no um, a provision to ensure that they have checked that everything is in place at the schools. But yes, there's an insistence of uh, the department that educators must be at schools. 
notwithstanding Western Cape being the highest incidence of COVID-19, and we have counted today more than 11 schools that have teachers who have tested positive for COVID-19. We think it's reckless on their, on their behalf. So then it begs the question, what rights do teachers have? You know, because you are unions, you represent the teachers. Can teachers choose not to go and work because of safety concerns? Well, uh, if I may, yeah. we balance two things. There's the, on the one side, there's a lawful instruction. On the other side, there's the obligation to create a safe environment as contained in both labor law and in the Occupational Health and Safety Act. And um, so if you give an instruction, whilst it may be lawful, it may be reckless as well. And that, that makes it unlawful. And we believe that that is where we are at now with an instruction to return. And hence the unions as a collective, Naptoza, Satu, the SAOU, the PU, we've all decided that we will call on our members to stay away uh, until we can give them the green light that we have verified that uh, the conditions are safe for them to return. Remember that safety is, is, a, is a, a funny thing. It's a feeling. But at the same time, it's a tangible because people want to see the things that make them safe. But how do we say what we say to the school out there in Limpopo that doesn't have water? And water is then a primary in keeping yourself clean and, and by its very nature, safe and healthy. Yeah. How do we say guys, to them? It's guys, okay to go back to mm-hmm. school. Guys, I'm sorry. I just have to go for a quick ad break. But this is, of course, important. So we'll continue after the ads. From Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are talking about whether schools should open on June 1st. That's next week. Of course, it's only for grade 7 and grade 12 learners for now as schools are meant to be... Uh, it's a phased approached, approach. Sorry. Now, Jonathan Rustin is from, the South, uh, is from the trade union, SATU. He's the provincial secretary. And we've heard from Basil just before the break talking about, you know, um, the, the, the rights of teachers. But I want to year from Jonathan as well. Jonathan, will teachers have the right um, and especially the, the union, what will it be doing to protect that right if teachers decide not to go back next week because of safety concerns? Well, thank you. I think Basil has done a very good job in explaining uh, what is the rights uh, of educators and what is uh, uh, the obligation of the employer uh, towards his workers. Now, what we are saying is that um, the, the readiness and the return to work has primarily been developed uh, for public servants uh, by the, w, um, the GPSA uh, circulars, uh, and also we're all governed by the Department of Employment and Labor's um, uh, regulations and gazettes. So it says very clearly that the employer must, uh, as far as possible, create a safe environment uh, for its workers. Now, the employer is saying, uh, go to work, uh, and the employer has the right uh, to threaten our members, which they've done. They've threatened our members, uh, they've shown no empathy or sympathy in this particular time, 
they would have to prove, because we will challenge them, they would have to prove that the uh, workplace has been uh, made safe, the unions will come out and to challenge the department on the uh, preparedness and preparation for work safety, and therefore uh, we can guarantee our members that we will put all our power in our, um, that we have, uh, to ensure that we protect the rights of our members, and I'm sure all unions will be doing that uh, as we're going forward. We have said, let's go slow uh, to ensure that we are ready. We must say, as Satu, we are not saying the school should be closed forever, but we are saying that we need to ensure that uh, the workplace is properly prepared to receive both the educators, the non-teaching staff, and then ultimately the learners. Parents need to be satisfied and to be uh, feel uh, safe uh, to be able to send their children back to school. So, and, and you're both saying that at the moment it's not safe? Certainly not. Um, let me also echo Jonathan's uh, sentiment that uh, none of us have supported a view that says we mustn't go back to school. When we look at what is happening in the provinces, and I can enumerate them, uh, some of them are not even 50% compliant yet. So the likelihood that they will be suddenly compliant in another three days' time is very unlikely. And we are saying that even a claim by the Western Cape, for example, that says it is completely ready, we are still getting reports of schools that don't have sufficient equipment, that have equipment that's malfunctioning, that, that, that have not been supplied with, with uh, sufficient materials, particularly in the Southern Cape as well, and in some of the, the suburbs in Cape Town. So it is not isolated to those four far-flung provinces. Not at all. It is every single province. Even here in Gauteng, where I'm located, we are still getting many reports of schools that don't have. Schools within uh, the the urban areas don't have the necessary uh, protective gear. But it gets worse because with rurality comes a, a few more challenges. And our rural schools, and this is why we as a collective have insisted that we do not support the staggered approach to the opening of schools. We want schools to open together. The staggered approach to uh, letting different classes come in, that's a different matter. Because if we support a staggered approach to the opening of schools, we will leave some people behind. And those people will be forgotten. Tragically, they are the ones that have been neglected the most up to now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, in the Western Cape now, um, Jonathan, when we're talking about readiness, let's focus on what needs to be done because our primary audience on this radio station sits here in the Western Cape. So what does our provincial government and education department need to do to ensure the safety of teachers and ultimately its learners? Well, let's start off at the beginning. We've been fighting with the Western Cape Education Department to abandon their plan that the non-teaching staff uh, cleans the surfaces at the school. We said, why have you not approached the private sector? They're so willing to help to try and deep clean every school in the province. We must remember that this province was the only one that decided to have a feeding scheme. Notwithstanding the advice from both the national minister uh, and the chairperson of the Portfolio Committee for Education in the province and the resistance of all the unions on that one. Uh, 
So therefore, they started with a system where many people enter the schools, but the posture has been the virus is dead, there's no virus in the school, so there's no need for deep cleaning. Now, we are saying that is not compliant with what the Department of Employment at Labor is saying. Secondly, we need to have that all schools receive the cleaning material, the hand sanitizers, they're being stored in the school, that we also have um, testers, personnel who is trained to be able to screen the learners. Now, whether we made a suggestion, why don't we approach the EBPT? Let's appoint 3,000 screeners within the province uh, on a stipend, train those persons uh, adequately so that they are doing the screening. Why don't we ask the Department of Public Works to ensure through the EPWP program to have additional cleaners because when the learners get back to school, it's going to be very, very important to have a plan that twice or thrice a day the surfaces are cleaned at the school so that the virus is not transmitted through the tables, the railings, the door handles, and so forth. But none of those things seem to be falling onto the ears of the, the officials in the department. They are steamrolling ahead. They are saying they are ready. They have sent masks for the, for the teachers. Uh, one to two each. The learners mass has not arrived. It's a couple okay. of days before school yeah. to open. Jonathan, and therefore Jonathan, it's not ready. Jonathan, thank you so much for that. We are now going to go live to President Cyril Ramaphosa's address. We'd like to broadcast that on the show. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you very, thank much. You very much. Have a good one. Religious leaders on the gradual resumption of certain religious activities. The coronavirus pandemic has had a profound impact on all South Africans. Our Minister of Health today advised me that we now have over 20,000 people in our country who are infected and close to 500 people who have lost their lives. This continues to cause great distress amongst all of us as citizens of South Africa. At the same time, we are thankful that more than 11,000 people have recovered from coronavirus. Families are struggling to make ends meet. Businesses have been badly hit and some have even had to shut down. People have lost their jobs and sources of income have dried up. Because of the restrictions under the nationwide lockdown, we've been unable to move around, to go to work, to study, to meet friends and family, and to attend religious services. Yet even at this time of crisis, we have cared for each other shown compassion and solidarity and have sought to alleviate the plight of the most vulnerable in our country. This pandemic has also taken a toll on us emotionally and spiritually. It has shaken our sense of well-being and security. Many of us are anxious and fearful of both the present and the future. As a nation, we have a responsibility to respond to this aspect of the pandemic with as much effort and urgency 
as we have responded to the health crisis and as we have acted to relieve the economic and social effects on our people. We have a responsibility to also take care of the spiritual, psychological and emotional well-being of all South Africans. In helping our nation to cope with these difficulties, we acknowledge and welcome the call that has been made by our religious leaders for a day of prayer. Prayer will comfort and strengthen us as we continue to confront this pandemic. When I addressed the nation on Sunday, I said that we've been discussing with the religious leaders who have made a number of proposals around a gradual resumption of some religious activities and the manner in which they would like to exercise their functions. The National Coronavirus Command Council discussed the proposals put to us by our religious leaders and has determined that we should accede to the proposals put forward in accordance with certain norms and standards. South Africans are a people of deep faith. Our faith is what has seen us through many dark times and has sustained us. We understand the great importance that the closure of places of worship have had on members of the faith community and that this has worsened the distress of communities who are unable to worship in congregation. Our leaders in the faith community provide spiritual guidance, care and counseling to millions of South Africans and we are immensely grateful that from the beginning of our task in addressing this health crisis, they have stood with us and provided advice, guidance, support and encouragement from the very beginning. The faith community is an integral part of South African life and has made a great contribution in the fight against the coronavirus. With our focus now on enabling our people to cope during this crisis and rebuilding our shattered economy, as well as assisting individuals and businesses whose livelihoods have been negatively impacted, we recognize and appreciate the important role the faith community has played in the provision of spiritual support and social relief. Much of it has been done under extremely difficult circumstances with minimal resources. In such a time of crisis, the noble values that are shared by all faith communities have truly come to the fore. Values of charity and doing good works, of helping the needy, of feeding the hungry, and caring for the sick. Although the nationwide lockdown has curtailed the activities of our faith-based organizations, we have strongly felt their presence. They have helped to keep our spirits up 
They have encouraged us to remain focused. Above all, they have consistently reminded our people that the lockdown regulations are in place for the common good and the welfare of all of us. As we now prepare to move to coronavirus alert level three, on the 1st of June, we recognize and appreciate their deep desire to return to their duties, to serve their communities and to serve society. After consideration, following consultation with our religious leaders, we have therefore determined that as part of the regulations for alert level three, the current restrictions on congregational worship will be eased in a carefully measured way. Places of worship may reopen subject to strict restrictions which are absolutely necessary if we are to prevent infections from rising in accordance with norms and standards that will be set out in the regulations. Churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, and other recognized places of worship may resume services, but these will be limited in size to 50 people or less, depending on the space available. Social distancing will have to be observed and all worshipers and participants will have to wear face masks in line with the current regulations. All religious organizations must put protocols in place for, among other things, thoroughly cleaning and sanitizing places of worship before and after services. Our faith communities must ensure that any religious rituals that carry even the slightest possibility of exposing worshipers to risk should be avoided. And that where they form an essential part of religious practice, that sanitation is paramount. Our religious leaders will be recognized as essential religious frontline workers for purposes of spiritual counseling to members of their faith organizations. Religious leaders will continue to officiate at funerals of no more than 50 people. Our religious leaders occupy positions of immense trust and authority in our communities and need to play a proactive role in raising the level of public awareness around the coronavirus in their services, in faith communication groups, and through their pastoral work and activities. We welcome the offers that our religious leaders have made to make their facilities available for the fight against coronavirus by providing additional space for school lessons, for quarantine, for screening and testing, and for places of shelter
for survivors of gender-based violence. This we are grateful for. This new phase of managing the coronavirus as a constant in our daily lives will be in many respects more difficult. It demands vigilance and it will continue to demand sacrifices of all of us. The social distancing and hygiene measures that are in place under the lockdown will have to continue way into the future and cannot be abandoned or compromised. Let us continue to be guided by the overriding principle of doing whatever it takes to preserve life. Our faith-based organizations have shown in both word and deed their commitment to the national effort to combat this virus. We will continue to engage with various constituencies across society around their concerns and deal with the suggestions they are making to move safely towards easing various restrictions. Throughout this difficult time, we have remained firm and united. Yet we know the race is far from one and that the collective energies and efforts of all our people will be needed now as never before. I therefore urge all South Africans to heed the call of the leaders of our various faith communities for a national day of prayer, which they have delineated as Sunday the 31st of May, when we will once again come together to pray for the healing of our land and the protection of our people. On this day, wherever we may be, I call upon all of us to turn our thoughts to all those who have been affected by this pandemic, to also turn our thoughts to the families of those who have lost their loved ones. On this day, we should remember those who are working to keep us safe, those who are suffering and grieving. Whether you are a person of faith or not, there is one belief that unites us, and that is our belief in South Africa, in its people, in their courage, and in their ability to overcome even the greatest of tribulations. As we worked tirelessly to heal the divisions of the past, so too will our united action bring us healing from this pandemic. May God continue to bless South Africa and protect her people. I thank you once again. 
So there we have it from President Cyril Ramaphosa saying that Sunday, the 31st of May, that's this weekend, will be a national day of prayer for healing of our land in the President's words. He also said that the faith community has been an integral part of South Africa and this we of course know as religion does play a big role in the lives of many South Africans. He also updated us on the latest figures. 20,000 people across South Africa unfortunately are COVID-19 positive and close to 500 people have died. On the upside 11,000 people have already recovered. Now just to say that tomorrow morning on the breakfast show you can tune in to listen to some more updates on the President's speech that he has made this evening and of course the discussion continues. So now we'll take an ad break. The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldi. And it's now time for us to listen to what your opinions and views are on the topic this evening. We have asked, should the opening of schools be put on hold or should learners and teachers be going back to school next week, June the 1st? We have heard from two unions already and both the unions are saying the schools are not in fact ready to reopen. Um, But what are your thoughts? The lines are now open. If you have children, will you be sending your children to school, by the way? The lines are now open. You can give us a call. The number is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. Let's have a look at some of the WhatsApp messages that have come through. So listener 4506 says... Uh, let's see. Why in this crucial time when we see escalation in COVID cases in the Western Cape, are we allowing students and teachers to be exposed? The government acts as if we are living normal lives when we expect a peak in infections in August. Now churches are also opening up with a limit cap to 50. Our children will never forgive us by sending them to the early graves. Now, of course, the information that we have from the National Education Department is that schools will have a phased reopening. So it's only grade 7 and grade 12 learners that are expected back at school on Monday and not the entire school population. Uh, let's have another look at the messages. Listener 3412 says, I just want to know why can't children collect their daily work and do it at home? Okay. Then listener 0495 says, The union is saying teachers must not come to school, but we know the Western Cape Education Department will threaten teachers with no work, no pay. Listener 0115 says, nice to have you back on air. Thank you. It's nice to be back. It's been a while. Uh, Listener 2132 says, how can you open schools and go to level three and you know the rate is so high? How are you going to evacuate a school if there is a case? Please say kids don't get it if Red Cross is setting up tents for a peak and France had 70 cases in the first week of school. This is grade 1 to 12. Okay, this is quite a few messages. And then the listener also says, how are teachers equipped to to do healthcare work? What are they going to do if a child's temperature is high? How do I self-quarantine my six-year-old? And then let's see what else is happening. 
Um, okay, cool. So those are the messages that we have received so far uh, for our topic this evening, which is should the opening of schools be put on hold? Let's just look at who else will be coming on still on the show. We do want to get, of course, another union on, um, or rather the unions have been on. Um, we also are planning to get on a, um, a person from the South Afrikaans Onderwijsers Uni. And then we also want to get on um, some of the other unions. In fact, we have also got a, a deputy dean from the University of the Western Cape's education faculty coming on. And of course, we welcome your calls. Now, let's look at, at listener 2719. And this, in fact, is a message from a teacher. And the listener says, as a teacher who went back today, I will definitely say schools are not ready at all. Not all personal protective equipment has been delivered yet for teachers, but listeners are but learners sorry are expected to return on Monday, and that is of course quite a concern. That's coming from a teacher who physically saw the situation at their school. Then we also have a message from listener eight zero eight zero saying, "I think teachers should give the kids work through WhatsApp." to study at home and then maybe kids can go one morning just once a week just to write a test now to be frank we have had that situation where teachers have been sending work um, to learners and um, it's been said that only about 30% of children have have even been able to to access um, this kind of work via WhatsApp and that's of course looking across the country and um, it's also been a bit of a tough situation for parents to motivate children and to make sure that they do their homework. I mean, it's not easy, um, I guess, when the when the parents themselves are focusing on so many other things, keeping a household going. Um, and I guess, you know, some of the memes and the comments that have been going around are saying that parents would actually have a greater appreciation now for teachers after COVID-19 because teaching is a tough job, right? I mean, it's not just a matter of giving somebody homework. It's about making sure that the kids are also motivated to do the work, to learn, to 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 actually absorb that information it takes time. It isn't just a one of like, here's the work, not do your thing. So, yeah, I mean, just to remind you that our number in the studio, if you want to give us a call, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you are concerned about grade 7 and grade 12 learners, we need to go back to school next week on June 1st. The number in the studio is 021-442-3530. During the show, we, of course, also had President Cyril Ramaphosa's speech. We had uh, broadcast that live, and the president had said that 20,000 people across South Africa have tested positive for COVID-19. Five, almost 500 people have already died of the virus, while 11,000 have fortunately recovered from the COVID-19 virus. The president had made a speech this evening addressing especially the faith community and of course faith leaders and he said that they have a desire to return and to of course serve the communities. So congregational wor worship um, gathering, you know, will, gatherings will be eased. So places of worship, according to the president, may reopen, but with strict regulation, regulations. Only 50 people 
and that's a maximum of 50 people will be allowed into a space. So, for example, in a mosque, only 50 people will be allowed per mosque. I guess um, somebody will be having to stand at the door to count how many people go in. Um, the other day I went into a, a, a place where people put stickers, uh, numbered stickers on us. And um, I guess once those numbers are, are, are kind of, you know, um, done, they won't allow any more people in. Um, also, masks should be worn when going to places of worship and social distancing should also be observed funerals the cap is still only 50 people and sunday the 31st of may will be a national day of prayer for healing of our land with just a minute to go before ads let's look at what other messages have come through listen to we have a caller oh fantastic caller assalamu alaikum good evening and welcome to burning issue walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh I'm a concerned parent um, regarding the children going back to school and the teachers. I feel that um, as South African citizens, we have a right to life. And I feel that the rate of the virus is on a peak to let the learners and teachers be exposed to that, um, the virus and going back to school. If um, like the, parent, the teachers could like send work like they normally did while in the lockdown, and then go into schools when they need to go and write exams, maybe, to have them all being exposed like that, traveling, I don't think it's advisable. Not for the teachers or for the children. Shukran for your input. We really appreciate that. And, of course, may I just ask quickly, is your, do you have a child going to school next week? No, no, but I have a child that is in grade 9, so he will be going to school in July, and I have family members that's in matric. Mm-hmm. Shukran, so much for your input, and we really do appreciate that. I mean, we'll see what happens next week. Of course, the teachers' unions are saying that the schools are not prepared for schools to reopen. Shukran, caller. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And of course, this evening's topic is all about whether schools should reopen next week. Now, we do know that uh, the education department is saying that it's only grade 7 and grade 12 that should be opening next week, and that is June the 1st. There's been lots of opposition already to this. We've already had two unions, including the main one, Satu, on the program this evening, saying that schools are by no means ready. We now welcome to the show Musi Maimane, who has led a campaign saying that, that has actually got a lot of support from thousands of parents, saying that, that children should not be returning to school. Well, let's welcome to the show and hear more from him. Musi Maimane, good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening and uh, good evening to listeners here in Cape Town. So can you please tell our listeners who are not aware yet of the petition what exactly it, uh, it asks for? We have, we have petitioned uh, to say that schools are not ready to open by the 1st of June. And already over 150,000 South Africans have signed the petition to say, no, we are not ready. And that has everything to do with the fact that we are talking about our children's lives here. When you listen to the Minister of Education, you can hear a rushed approach that simply just says that, no, whatever happens, the kids must go back to school. 
that's on the first instance. The second instance is we know that our classrooms are full. They've got on average between 60 to 90 kids in a class. We also know without doubt that um, our kids are transported in facilities that, uh, that, uh, that are full generally. So, 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 so we cannot be putting not only the lives of children at risk, but the very communities they come from. Therefore, it cannot be that just because the Minister of Education says so, that we must now take all our children, put them at risk of being infected with COVID, put all the teachers that have to be there, all the support staff that work at the school to put their lives in danger. Now, parents have been responding online, um, but w- what does this mean, though, in the real, in, in the physical real world? Are parents saying that they will not send their children to school next week? I have had countless parents come to me saying to me, no, they, will, they are not going to be doing that. They are not going to respond to uh, the call to go back to school. But also had teachers say that. Most of our teachers, there are some teachers who are over the age of 60. I know teachers who suffer with hypertension and other disease. So they've all said, no, they can't also go back themselves. So this has become a very clear, clarion call to say, we are not ready. We've inherited, we've inherited a history of profound division in education. So yes, some schools, particularly in Cape Town, could argue strongly that they're ready. They will have the PPEs. They will have all of those. But I know for a fact that the majority of our schools in townships and communities have not received masks, have not received PPEs, have not, in some instances, have water, in certain instances, have basic toilets. So how on earth do we hope if we, if, to get the, the kids back to school in a very unsafe environment? I am a parent. It is a risk that I would not want to put my child in uh, given the circumstances of this Department of Basic Education. Now, given the fact that we already have 20,000 COVID-19 positive cases, and that's according to President Cyril Ramaphosa, he just said that this evening on TV, um, and he also said that almost 500 people have died already of the virus, you know. Um, so the numbers are there. It's showing that we do face a real risk. However, the Education Department is likely going to push ahead for schools to open. What could be the pushback, though? Could we see teachers facing disciplinary action could there be a no work no pay i mean what's that conversation because teachers are obviously thinking about their jobs as well and their job security um i'm I'm going to of course ask the unions this question as well but i'm just curious to know if the campaign is taking into account those kind of things especially for the teachers who are saying i don't want to go to school my life is important well what is going to happen is well i've given the president until tomorrow at two o'clock to respond to us if he chooses to ignore us then we'll take uh action because we have to take legal action because we have to ask the basic question. What on what basis can you say a child is safe to go back to school? Or, you know. So 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 this is an administrative action. You have to be willing to say we've taken the decision on the basis of the following things. Now if you cannot satisfy that, I really do not believe there is a rational reason why schools should be open on the first. We could argue curriculum, those things can be adjusted. We can argue many things, but what we know of South Africa, 
is that the numbers of infections have accelerated, not decelerated. Therefore, at the moment we're gaining speed in terms of the amount of people getting infected, we then make the administrative action to say everybody must go back to school, or at least grade ones and sevens, or grade sevens and twelves. So I, I think there's an irrationality to that decision, but that would be for the courts to determine if the president cannot give us a satisfactory response as to the actions that he chooses to take. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find your petition and also more information online? Where do they go to see you and, and, and support, I guess? You, you, you could literally go to change.org and you find our petition there, or you can check our website on www.osa.org.za, which is One South Africa Movement, where we are building with all South African teachers in different places to say we must work together to build a South Africa for all. Mm-hmm. Well, let's leave it at that. Um, any closing remarks? Anything that we left out, just so that we can remember? This is this is a question not about rich schools or poor schools. It's about the education and the future of all of our children as a country. In the midst of this very difficult situation, I would call on all citizens. Let's work together here to protect our kids. And yes, if we build an equal education for all our kids, then we will remember that yes, twenty twenty was a tough year. By 2030, we could look back and say we made the right call to protect all our kids. If the vision is right, then all of us can get behind it. But I certainly cannot trust a government that will mislead people uh, into letting their kids just simply go to school. Mm-hmm. Well, Musi, we certainly will be following the story here on Voice of the Cape. We'll be following the legal, legal action if that takes place. And we thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. The Voice of the Cape. FM Stereo Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. So we are now going to be speaking to more unions and we, of course, welcome your calls and your WhatsApps as well. You can give us a call in studio. Let me just get you the number. It's 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. 0712. The topic this evening is about whether or not schools should be opening next week. Um, of course, the understanding is that grade 7 and grade 12 learners should be going back to school on Monday the 1st of June. And it is planned as part of a phased reopening of schools across the country. We've heard from unions already who say, no, schools are not ready. Kids should not be going back to school and neither should teachers. There are concerns for their safety. Um, we've heard from one union that said 11 schools have already had teachers that have tested positive for the COVID-19 coronavirus. So we are now going to welcome another guest to the, stu- to the show. And um, let me just get my sheet here. Um, I'm talking to Mone Jansen, and he's the Provincial Secretary of the South Afrikaans Onderwijsers Ini. Mone, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening. Thank you very much. Mone, what is your union stand on this? Are your union members saying that they are willing to go back to school next week? 
I think at this stage, the the concern is that uh, some of them are willing to go back, but uh, you know, it's it's a question of they want to get back to their learners. But the major concern, obviously, is the safety. Um, the safety not only for themselves, but also the safety for the for for the learners. Um, so, with with the safety concern, is also the issue with regard to. Um, what are they going to do when they go back? Um, I know there's a lot of focus that was being placed on the safety issue, but a lot of questions is also being raised, uh, concerns with, for instance, the uh, issue about the underlying uh, medical conditions, the comorbidities, um, you know, that, that places educators in a high-risk in a high-risk environment um, that's, that's endangering their health. And also, the major concern is with regard to the curriculum. Um, a lot of them saying, right, now we need to go back. The learners are going back, but we haven't received any guidelines from the National Department on exactly how the curriculum has been adjusted. Um, so if, if, if we look at the concerns, it's actually much more than just the safety issues. Okay, but now tell me about your, your your union members specifically, the teachers. What are they saying? No, they're saying that uh, they they they're not comfortable. They would be comfortable to go back if they are sure that it's a safe working environment. Then they would feel comfortable to go back. If it's not a safe working environment, obviously they would say it's a risk. Uh, and uh, the, the employer needs to, as prescribed in legislation, they need to get their acting order. What are the rights of teachers? Can teachers <laughs> refuse to go to, to teach next week? The problem is that if they, and, and DBE um, has come out and indicated in the guideline that they published that they see uh, this as a instruction. And if educators should stay away uh, without a valid reason, then they would they would basically be putting themselves in danger of possibly disciplinary action for or leave without pay um, should they stay away. But I mean, isn't your health the possibility of dying a good enough reason not to go to work? No, we we fully agree with that. That's that's why we're saying it. You know, it's one thing to say to a to say to an educator or any staff member at the school, you need to go back. But for a instruction, it needs to be a lawful instruction. And it's one thing to say to to staff members, you need to go back. But the employer has got a obligation to ensure uh, it's a healthy working environment. So again, it's it's they cannot be it cannot be seen as a lawful instruction if the employer uh, is not doing their part. Okay, so will you be protecting your members then? Because if people are not going to go to school and the department is saying we are not going to pay you, tell us a bit about you know, inform our listeners about what the union would be doing then. Well, first of all, what we're currently doing is we're actually telling our members that, you know, when, because the current situation is that uh, there's a lot of schools that have not received the necessary uh, material as prescribed by legislation. Um, remember, it's, it's, and what the department is also saying is they have now delivered some of it. Now, we're not saying that some of it, you know, if you've maybe 
just only given the mask and the thermometers, uh, that is not sufficient. You need to provide the hand sanitizers. You need to provide the uh, the, the, the the cleaning material for sanitation of the school, etc. So if, if if our members go to the school and everything is not ready uh, as it should be, then they've got the right to say, you know what, this is on the this is not a correct environment. Uh, I don't feel safe. I can. I would then. Uh, be going home until such time that you are getting everything in order. If the department next week, if things are not in place, um, then obviously we would then be able to protect or will defend our members should they be charged. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the Department of Education itself, of course, is going to be, if I can say, held responsible, right, if teachers do in fact get COVID from going back to school. I mean, what kind of action can be taken or will be taken against the department? We've just heard from Musi Maimani saying that they are considering even legal action against the department. You see, this, 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 the first thing is, is that um, uh, what the department needs to realize is they are an employer. They, they, they are an employer. So according to the Health, uh, Occupational Health and Safety Act, there is an obligation of the employer to provide certain aspects in a working environment. So the first thing that we can do, and I know some of the other units have already lodged complaints with the Department of Labor uh, against the WCD or any department, for that matter of fact, for, for, for not adhering to legislation. So that, that would be the first recourse. Um, then, obviously, um, if something should happen, then... Uh, one of our members should uh, members should, should should become ill. Members should die, and then it's a question of proving negligence. If it was found that the department obviously was negligent, um, did not as the employee did not uh, make sure that it's a it's, it's a uh, did not provide the necessary equipment, did not provide the necessary sanitation, etc then a case could be made against the department uh, or actually the, the, the MEC um, for basically for, for negligence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners regarding this matter, especially for parents, news that parents might need to know around school safety? I think what is important uh, with regard to school safety is also that there is provision being made um, with regard to learners with uh, what we talk about the, the comorbidities, and that is if you've got a underlining medical condition, um, for instance, uh, you've got severe asthma or, or diabetes or these kind of illnesses, then it's being seen as a recognized by the National Health Department as a comorbidity. Um, and then the, 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 um, the, the, the parents can actually apply to the department. We have seen uh, the, the, the letter from the WC that went out to the schools where parents can actually then say, you know what, my child has got an underlining condition. Um, and then they can actually apply for a form of concession for additional help from the school that their children is not being exposed to, uh, to, the, to the virus at the school grounds. Okay. So, Mona, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. And with that, we'll, um, we'll put you farewell. So thank you very much for giving us, giving us an update from your union. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Good luck. Okay, so now we have...
we have another uh, person that we'll be interviewing. We have Professor Ruan Marman. He's the Deputy Dean of the University of the Western Cape's Education Faculty. Professor Marman, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening, sir, and good evening to your listeners. So, yeah, what's going on in the education department? The teachers are saying we don't feel safe. The parents are saying our kids don't feel safe. But the education <laughs> department is saying we need to open schools. What's your take on the overall readiness plan by government and what's going on? Well, from my view, um, I, I would think everybody feels the same, you know, and, and um, the department has come up with certain plans. They have communicated with schools. Um, they've put some things in place, but I think I don't. I, I, I don't think it satisfies anybody at this point. You see, the issue here is that we are dealing with a pandemic, and it's a health scare for everybody. And um, and people are more concerned about their safety and their health than education at, at this moment. My view is that um, it, it seems very rushed that it's been introduced for June. Um, we are only seeing now what's happening in terms of um, the spread of the virus in our communities, especially in the Western Cape, as well as the deaths um, over the la- very unfortunate deaths over the last week and so. Um, and, and I mean, people are on top of this. People are, um, have access to this information and people just feel very anxious. The department has done some things, and maybe I must just point out what, what, what they've done up to this point. In the Western Cape in particular, I know that they've communicated protocols to the schools. These were very detailed protocols. Um, I think it is close to seven, eight circulars they sent up to this point. And that is to help schools to put plans in place in terms of, you know, the advice of the um, health ministry. Uh, schools have been dealing with this for the last two weeks, so they have had meetings, the SMTs had meetings, etc. Um, but that's one thing. I think the issue here is that um, when learners come to school and people are just looking at this from the outside, um, schools are an extension of our communities. We know that. What happens in the communities tends to happen in, in our school communities. And, and I think people know what's happening in the schools. Um, the other issue is that it is very difficult for teachers and, and staffs of schools to implement some of these things on the ground. You know, there are very specific, detailed things that must now happen. And let me make you a few, a few examples. The, the first one would be the screening of the learners in the morning. So that screening is now left to the teachers. They must devise a plan how to screen the learners on entry in the morning before school begins. And can you imagine in a month's time when most of the learners are back in school, you have to screen and you have to have a conversation with the learners about some medical conditions on a daily basis, every morning, you know. And some schools have more than a thousand learners. How are you going to do that? Um, uh, you know, um, thermometers has been sent to the schools, but, but I, I, I've heard that it's around three thermometers for certain schools, depending on the size of the school, five thermometers for bigger schools, etc. So the practicality of the implementation of this comes down on the teachers. And, and, and that is the problem. That, that raises the anxiety levels for teachers and especially for parents. And I can make many examples of the protocols um, and how it might work out, you know, um, um, on the ground. And that is a challenge uh, for, for schools at this point. So 
The concern also then is that the department is literally just saying open schools and deal with it. It sounds like that's what they're saying. Just open the school and deal with all the stuff that comes with it. That's the message that I'm getting at least. Well, well, there's the same message that I get, you know, and, and I think that's very unfair. My sense was always that we should, we should wait with opening of the schools until we see what the pandemic curve looks like in our country. There have been pro- projections released uh, last week in terms of how the pandemic curve is going to look like with hospitalizations and projections of deaths and things like that. And it's very, very scary statistics that we've been exposed to. Um, and, and it doesn't make sense to open schools when the pandemic curve is still going upwards, when we, we don't know how it's going to work out uh, in our communities. Because what we must remember is that the Northern Hemisphere countries went through the curve in front of the Southern Hemisphere countries like South Africa. They haven't opened schools. They've only started to open schools last week and the week before, all the countries up north. And we are actually just following a week later. Um, and that doesn't make perfect sense. The other issue is that um, uh, the the lockdown levels or the uh, uh, strategy level that's going to be implemented. There are also many questions still to be asked around that. So, for example, if parents are now going be allowed to go to work from next week onwards for the level three opening of those sectors, who's going to look after their learners? You know, because all the learners um, are not yet going to school. So, there, so there's those contradictions in terms of how things are going to work out for schools in particular on the ground. And, and, and that's very challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, while I have you on the line, um, in fact, wait, one last question before I go to the WhatsApp messages. I just want to ask you, you know, there are obviously concerns that if the school year does not, you know, if people do, if children do not go back to school, they could miss out a whole school year. Now, what about that concern? Well, that's a very difficult one. And I think um, if we could have started schools a bit later, maybe by September of this year, then we go into the first term of next year with this academic year. It won't be it won't be the end of the world if we do that. At least we would have dealt with the issue with a lot more information on the ground. We would have seen what's happening with this pandemic in our country and in our communities, and especially in our school communities. We would have had more data in terms of how to deal with it when you open schools. There's no data actually at this point in the world available because the Northern Hemisphere schools, as I've said earlier, only opened last week. So, so there's a lack of information to rush this. Um, um, that's my view. The, the other issue about this is that um, when you when you work over the December, and we are not used to it in South Africa, but we must tell ourselves that this is a, almost a once-in-a-lifetime situation that's confronting us. So we have to make once-in-a-lifetime adaptations to the situation in terms of our schooling. And it won't be the end of the world. Remember, a few years back, the universities, most universities of South Africa had to do that. It was also the first time in our lifetime that we had to do that. So there are ways to deal with that issue. I just think starting the 1st of June is not the way forward. Schools will be open and schools will be closed down. It will be very haphazard schooling. It will differ from community to community. Sometimes learners will pitch for school. Other times they won't. 
other days they won't. And it's going to be that kind of scenario which will leave the question, why are we even trying to do this now? So the reality is that we already have 11 schools in the Western Cape that have had to be uh, cleaned and closed even before the learners have arrived because teachers, in fact, had tested positive for COVID-19. So it could mean it could be a stop-start kind of schooling for quite a lot of schools because like you said a school is a reflection of a community and if people are having COVID-19 in the communities where the kids and the teachers come from it's inevitable that the school environment will also become infected Um, it it does begin to um, the picture does become a lot more worrying considering that the department is likely going to want to push ahead next week with opening schools Um, any response to that? Well, well, there are some efforts happening in communities. There are some people who are uh, um, signing petitions. There are people who are threatening court action and legal action against the department, the national department, as well as the provincial department. Um, and I would have liked the unions to have taken the lead here, the teachers' unions in particular, because, you know, the teachers are more vulnerable to this um, COVID-19 virus than the learners. So teacher well-being should have been put front and center in this debate. And the debate should have been from the start how to protect teachers and what's the best of teachers. There are teachers who are single breadwinners for family. There are teachers who support extended family. You know, getting sick, getting confronted with your mortality and things like that, it's, it, it, it seems unnecessary at this point. Um, but, but I think the government is going to push this through. All the signs are there. They've been doing it. And I think they will deal with the court cases later on. That, that's, that's their recent history of how they deal with these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing, the thing that's so interesting also is that you know, we are still in the early stages compared to other yeah. countries. You know, uh, we haven't yet peaked. We haven't yet seen the peak. Um, and yeah, it just seems too early. Look, um, I want to go to some of the WhatsApp messages while we have you on the line, um, because there are obviously some questions that will come up. But I also just want to read what our listeners are saying. Um, so listener 2620 asks, I would like to know when the other grades will resume. Mine are in grade five. I don't think the department has put that information out yet because it's a gradual reopening of schools. So please stay tuned to the news and the department, of course, will send out that information. Um, unless um, you have any information on that, Professor yep. Marman. Yes, they, they have published it already. The oh, information okay. is out. Yeah, the schools do know. Schools do know the date on when the uh, different grades will return to school. So it will start next week, the 1st of June. It will be two grades. So it will be grade 7, as we all know by now, and the grade 12, the matriculant, right? And then every second week, there will be two more grades phased into school. So it will take about to the middle of July for all the grades to be back at school. And that presents us with a big challenge. Because the minister said the other day, uh, last week, that uh, the grade sevens will have the, the old school for themselves, right? And the matriculants at high school, they will have the old school for themselves. And, and that falls under social distancing um, uh, argument. But they will only have that for two weeks. Then two other grades are jo- then another grade is joining them. And in two weeks' time, two other grades have been joining, you know? So, so they won't have the school for themselves, you know, very soon. It will be a month, month and a, it will be a month and a half at least. Then all the grades will be back at school. 
And then you will sit with a big social distancing problem. And and is the, the gradual reopening, is it sort of like a countdown from 12 then to 11? Yes, every that's, how it works. that's exactly how it works, yes. So every two weeks there's another grade entering the school premises, right? So the grade 5 right. would probably only be coming sort of like after the school has been opened. Three for weeks it. later. Three weeks yeah, later. So, sorry, three times two, so it will be six, six weeks, weeks later. later. Okay. Every second week, yeah, mm-hmm. in your grade. Mm-hmm. So that's the answer there. And then listener 5687 is saying, teachers are expected to screen learners. Isn't that the jobs of those trained to do so teachers should be screened as well for exposure i mean that's really also a question one of the union members raised you know the teachers are expected to screen the children but it seems that you know there are or there should be people more qualified to do that yeah that's exactly one of the issues i've alluded to the screening earlier but the issue here is that um the government said, and I've seen the protocol that they sent to the schools, that you will, you are going to use the thermometer for the temperature reading, and you are going to ask the person, the learner or the teacher, you're going to ask them three or four questions in terms of, have you been in contact with whoever? Do you have a sore throat? You know, three basic questions. Now, in my view, that, that's not real screening. The temperature one can be, can be one, but what we must remember, we must keep uh, abreast with the latest data and scientific information that's coming out in the world in terms of this. So when we started the lockdown, there were those two, three, four symptoms that everybody knew and that everybody was focused on. By now, the symptoms, the list of possible symptoms have now increased to more than 10 different kinds of symptoms. You know, so it means that you have to go through such a a questionnaire now with somebody that you are screening, not only asking them those three questions, you know, and and, and that's a problem. Let me just tell you something else around this. So I have family, my brother is teaching in the the Eastern Cape, for example, a school teacher there, and I just spoke to him earlier, and he said that um, the Department of the Eastern Cape, they have called teachers. So on their GEMS medical aid, they have all their teachers there. They can see from their database which teachers are subjected to which uh, comorbidities and which health conditions. And what they've done, they've started to call them and interview them, you know, to inform the process. So, for example, if you have some of these comorbidities, it gets um, confirmed by the department because already it's already on your medical aid history. And, and, and the Department of Education have access to that because it's, it's, the, it's the GEMS medical aid that most teachers belong to. And um, they already have a conversation in preparation, in putting things in place, in advising you, don't go to school, don't even start going to school, etc., etc. So my problem with this originally was that across South Africa, these things are going to happen differently. You know, we should have waited and worked out a national protocol yeah. for screening in schools. Mm-hmm. And we should okay, have made so? sure after yeah. consultations with the scientists and teachers and everybody that everybody understands this protocol and that would be the start of the school day, if, if you get what I mean. Yeah. You know, even going just, to school. Yeah. And that protocol shouldn't be left 
like now the Eastern Cape is doing their own thing, the Western Cape is doing their own thing. Different schools will do their own things because schools must work this out, as you've said earlier, on their, on their own, and that will be problematic. So it will be very haphazard in a stop-start situation. Mm-hmm. Let's just go for a quick break. When we come back, we'll go through some of the other messages that have come through. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We still have online our guest, Professor Ruan Marman. He's the Deputy Dean of the University of the Western Cape's Education Faculty. And of course, he's outlining a number of concerns around the school's reopening. Even though it's a gradual reopening, it does come with a number of risks for teachers and learners. Let's go to some of the WhatsApp messages. Um, let's look at what one of the listeners has to say. Uh, there was a message that I wanted to read from a teacher. Um, Anyway, I lost that one now. Um, So listener 1038 says, Children do not understand and will not follow social distancing. It could work, for example, grade 7, but not for the rest of the school as grades are phased in. So that's our listener, um, one listener saying that. And the listener also says, It is our constitutional right. Safety is first and no one can guarantee it. Um, Then... Let me just have a look at what else is happening here. Uh, Then listener 2374 says, if people go to the mosque, the mosque must first be clean before people can go. Okay, that's of course related to the president saying that places of worship will now be open. But of course, the president said that a maximum of 50 people will be allowed per place. And then listener 5324 says, we are not ready yet. It's too soon. Our lives are important, but proper personal protective equipment in place. Put proper personal protective equipment in place or cancel school for the year and put everyone over to the next grade. That's another opinion. Professor, do you think that's even even possible? Could, could we just, as the listener says, put people over into the next grade? Well, um... It, it hasn't happened for in my lifetime. Uh, but know. is it even is it even is it even logical to do that? I mean, I've heard this before. I mean, surely yeah. a child needs to understand the mm. concepts, and you know, all of us mm. before we can just go on to the next level in our education. Mm. I, well, well, I don't, I don't think so. Not not as simple as that. What I what I am thinking is that you can adapt the curriculum. And you can concentrate when 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 schools do open. So so uh, if you if if you're working on my timeline or my look at this, right? I would say open schools in September and finish this academic year in the end of March next year. That, that if you work on that timeline, then you focus. Um, firstly, you bring down a lot of the anxieties and all those things. Get more information, as I said earlier. But secondly, you can then properly engage with a school curriculum. And you can ensure that at least, at least learners have masked, that they've been exposed to, they have been taught, they have been assessed on the key and the fundamental elements and issues of the curriculum of the particular school year. I think that's just fair. You know, I think it will be unprecedented if our country move to just closing schools now, not opening it at all, and then, you know, 
uh, move everybody over to the next year. Another issue that relates to this, and that is what we, we, we shouldn't forget, is that the ministry... Um, the Department of Education, as well as the Ministry of Health, they have a command council, we all know about them, and they have a ministerial uh, um, uh, advisory committee, the Department of Health. So what they do, they go and look at all the statistics of this pandemic, right? And they then inform the ministry on which the ministry base some of their arguments and some of their debates and deliberations, etc., etc. So one of the things that came out of, the, out of that process was the fact that learners don't get this as much as adults, firstly. Learners uh, don't experience the symptoms of, this, of COVID-19 as acutely as adults. Um, young people and children... Um, there are very few deaths uh, in terms of that. So what they do is that they do some trade-offs, you know. They weigh up the, the de- possible damage of schools being, just schools being closed and the damage in terms of the safety of learners and all the things that relate to that versus the health risk for learners. But the problem with this is twofold. Firstly, the teachers can be infected by the learners and they are in the vulnerable groups. And then secondly, the parents and grandparents can be infected by the learners, and they find themselves in the vulnerable groups, you see. And that is why my view is we just don't have enough information now at this point. Three months from now, we will have a lot of information, especially on schools and education. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can think back in February or in early March, middle March even, what we knew about this and what we know now, it's a, it's a world of a difference. So yeah. information and data is, is coming out like every day. And I think um, being early to force this, the opening of the schools, you know, uh, deprived us of the opportunity to deal with the data. Which we'll, which we'll have a lot of, a lot more of by September, October this year. Well, given the fact that the schools, uh, no decision is final, a decision can still be changed. I mean, we have yeah. the courts that can even still be used to challenge this decision. However, it just seems like such a waste of time and money to take this whole matter to court where as the unions, in co- the unions should probably have been consulted as well prior to this decision being made by the government. Uh, maybe there was consultation, I'm not sure. But the thing is, the, the point I really want to make is this decision can still be changed. Like you said, schools could still be opening in September instead of next Monday to ensure that our country and our government gathers more data to look at the possibility. And you're saying also that the curriculum could be completed, um, but you say only by March next year and then the next year's curriculum could be started if the schools do open in September. Is, is that the proposal you're making? Well, that would be my proposal, you know, um, but, but that's just mine. On, on my reading of the situation, of, on how I, I interpret the data and interpret what's happening with this pandemic, I'm following closely what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere because they're in front of us uh, on the pandemic curve. And just based on that, not that anybody is going to listen to me. But secondly, the issue that, you, that you're talking about, the curriculum, I'm, you know, there are many things that we can do with the curriculum. We can be very innovative to ensure that learners master certain things that they need for the next grade. You know, there, there, there's no data that says you have to follow a one particular route with this, and, and, and that should be uh, um, 
the start and the end of, of the conversation. There's no such thing. I foresee a haphazard school year for the rest of this year. But I'm worried about something. I'm worried about two things. The one is the district approach that the Department of Health and the Minister, Department Minister of Health spoke about this on um, yesterday, that the Department of Health is going to follow. Um, so the, the hotspots where most of the infections are, there will be a district approach. They are also talking about even that in different districts you might find different levels of, of lockdown. Now we refer to it nowadays, you know. So how are you going to manage the mobility of people, of children, of learners, of workers, of adults, if one district lies next to the other, situated geographically next to the other one, and they are on different levels? You know, things like that. Yeah. And those things will play into schools because you might stay in this health district, but you attend school in a different health district. Yeah. And, and and there are all those permutations that are very difficult. The other concern for me is that the flu season in Cape Town, it must all start. We have our first cold weather, taste of it now, this week. And uh, we know how it goes in Cape Town with the flu season. And that's going to, you know, the same symptoms are going to manifest. And, and you will have a cold, you will have a runny nose, you will have a temperature, you will have all those things. You know, and how are you going to make decisions in terms of attending school if you are a teacher? Am I going to school today or not? Mm-hmm. No, it will be a daily and a weekly struggle to get through this. And that is why my view is it's, this is just too rushed to start on, in June uh, opening schools. Yeah. The professor, let's go back to some of the messages. And in fact, one of our listeners raises a similar concern to listener 2767 says, I live opposite a high school. My concern is besides being in the school grounds, who is going to take responsibility once the pupils leave school grounds? That's where the problem will be. They gather in groups to have the interactions, can't expect teachers to take responsibility outside the school grounds. It's not safe at all. And then listener 7658 says, from a concerned parent, I support and salute our teachers for their care and commitment to help and assist our children attending Astra School, which has special needs, including underlying health conditions. So, okay, thanks for that. Then listener 4006 says, parents are threatened to re-register of children if they are absent. They will have to repeat the year and have to reapply for next year. Okay, what is happening here? The person is saying that the children say, parents need to re-register their children. Have you heard of anything of that, Professor? Well, yes. Well, what the minister said the other day in a briefing was that um, apparently it's the parents' right to keep their children at home. So if you keep your child at home, um, you have to... Uh, accept the consequences that goes with it. So you have the right to keep the child at home, but you can't insist my child must pass. You know, so it's like the usual um, uh, arrangement. Um, and then secondly, the minister indicated that you can apply to do homeschooling with your child. Now that's highly, highly problematic because uh, it's not in in, 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 in um, uh, uh, possible in most of our households to do homeschooling. It is a very intensive thing. You need training for it, et cetera, et cetera. So that's actually not an option in my view, you know. And, um, and I think this has not been thought through uh, properly. 
But I must say what you've mentioned earlier is that the, uh, about the unions. The unions were consulted. The unions were part of these processes. The unions came up. I've seen uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when they were busy with these uh, negotiations and deliberations around the opening of schools, the plan, um, uh, statements from the unions, you know, they're non-negotiables. They're 15, some of the unions had 15 non-negotiables for schools to open, etc. So they were part of this process. It's not that they were sidelined. My re- reference to the unions had to do with the fact that they have to re-engage. They have to re-engage. They represent the teachers in South Africa. They have to re-engage the, the, the ministry. And, and they must go back to the drawing board. With us, mm-hmm. I think there's a there's an anxiety from the from the Department of Basic Education in terms of the matriculate, and and I think we all can accept that their whole lives are at stake. Some of them, they have they have made plans with their parents. They want to move after this year into tertiary education, into the job market, into the economy, and things like that. So then I would say work out a proper plan for the matriculants then. You know, and focus on them, but do it with proper consultation. The Academy of Science in South Africa also came out uh, last week um, and and, and said that um, all different social and human scientists must now become part of this advisory group. And not only the life scientists. Yeah. Professor, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Professor, thank you so much for all of your insights. We really do appreciate it. That's all we have time for this evening, though, on Burning Issue. This is a story that we will be following, so we might have you back on here. Thank you so much, Professor Ruan Marman, the Deputy Dean of the University of the Western Cape's Education Faculty. It's a pleasure, sir. Good evening. So that is all we have time for on Burning Issue this evening. Of course, it's a story that will keep developing. We'll keep you posted. From myself, Yazid Kamaldin, enjoy the rest of your evening. Assalamu alaikum.